Bibles, we are going to be in the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews uh, this morning. Chapter 2, we left off, we kind of went through chapter 1 this last Sunday. If you didn't get to hear it, that's okay. Uh, it is online, actually. We actually have the uh, sermon online audio, and uh, we're, we're trying to advance here a little bit in the technology side of things. So I uh, made some time this past week to go ahead and edit it down a little bit and got the sermon online. So we're going to see about getting this one online. A little, I'm windy, I think. All right. There we go. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to talk for a bit, and we're going to dig, dig in a little bit before we hit some of the next part of it. Uh, but let's just start there. Let's rise for the reading of God's Word. Might not do that every week, but we're going to do it today. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Say amen if you're there. Amen. All right, all right. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. Or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose Father, we just ask right now that by the reading of your word and as we continue on, God, you will begin to open eyes and open ears, God. Lord, that they would not just hear, but that they would listen, listen, God, and perform it, what they hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I can't express to you the significance of listening, of listening, and, and you you know, I'm speaking the truth without ever having to be all that convincing because the punishment for not listening uh, is pretty obvious. It can be pretty big if you do not listen. If you go to school and you do not listen to the teacher and you do not listen to the instructions, you're going to fail. That's what's going to happen. If you go to your job or you go to work and you do not listen, you might come back with a missing arm or leg or be out of a job altogether. I mean, for people who have dangerous jobs, I mean, that's possible to listen. You've got to hear uh, uh, safety instructions. You've got to hear things that are important. Listening is a whole lot different than just hearing, too. See, the Hebrew writer starts off and he says, uh, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. So listening is more than just hearing. I believe all of you, thanks to microphones and things like that, you can absolutely hear me, but are you listening? And here's the thing, hearing is simply the act of perceiving sound by the ear. If you're not hearing impaired, hearing simply just happens. I mean, you're used to it. Some of you sleep like we do, like with a fan at night, just so you can hear white noise in the middle of the night, just to drown out everything else. You hear things, right? You can hear, but are you really listening? They're two different things. Listening is something you, you consciously choose to do. It requires concentration so that you're processes meaning from words and sentences, and then performs them. Listening is putting into action that which you just heard. That's it by definition, all right? The Apostle James said this about listening. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
James is not an idiot. He's saying, I know the difference between listening and hearing. If you are not doing what the Word says, if you're not doing what the Bible says, oh, you're hearing it. Well, I've heard the Bible. I've heard the preachers my whole life. Uh-huh. I'm not sure still that you've actually understood half of what they told you. You're hearing and not listening. Listening is putting it into action. And, and listening, it's, it's hugely important. But the problem is I think we spend more time hearing heard a lot of preachers, or I've heard a lot of things, or I've heard this, or I've heard that, but I'm not sure many of us understand the concept really of listening. We hear the preacher preach. We hear when someone reads the Word of God. We even read it ourselves, uh, uh, but that isn't the end all of all. Just because we read it doesn't, if we don't apply it, did we really get anything from reading it? I mean, I hear, I know a lot of people that, man, I've read the Bible all year long, all right? Can I see that work in your life? Because if I'm not, why are you reading it? Why are you reading it? One of the things that I've struggled with even at Faith Academy my, by making Bible a required uh, a class is I'm scared that we're going to somehow teach these kids where they hear the Word of God so much. And if they don't respond to it with a broken heart, with a soft heart for God's, for God's heart, right, it's going to become a hard heart. You can, if you hear things over and over, eventually it'll start taking out, start making, it, it, the, the Word of God does one or two things, Right? I mean, you cannot listen. You can only thrust the sword so many times for it either wounds you and kills you or it calluses you up so much to you don't even bother you anymore when you're cut. We've got to listen and do. And, and the, the, the reason why is this, and I love the Hebrew writer because he just like gets to the point, like very first sentence, it, we, we must carefully listen to the truth that we've heard or what? We may drift away. And honestly, I looked up the translation. I, I was curious about that, but it's pretty accurate. It, it's to imply that something of a current is pulling and tugging at you slowly and surely, just pulling at you. Um, there's a photo real quick. I'm gonna. I want you to check that out. It, it was a. I, I began to do some research, and as I began to research on some of this, uh, I saw that there was some Russian scientists early this year that discovered the power of drifting as they set up stations in the Antarctic. And uh, uh, it's right there on the ice. I mean, you could see how they were kind of out there uh, on the Antarctic doing all their uh, uh, scientific discovery stuff. Uh, uh, but weeks later, and, and, and months even later, uh, a helicopter on its way out to do a supply run, begin to notice, hey, have y'all noticed there's like more water? Or have you noticed there's like uh, some cracks in the ice? And they were like, um, no, I mean, like there's a little bit more water, but it's not like anything uh, uh, big. And they're like, and the, the helicopter's like, no, you're actually in a different geographical location now. And whether you realize it or not, the current underneath the ocean has caused cracks in the ice. And you, while you're on this huge piece and you don't realize it, you're actually drifting. You're drifting. And so, like, it, it began to be a big deal. They, they had to go in. They had to rescue them. And they never knew. They, ne they couldn't feel the current underneath them uh, pulling them away, pulling them out into sea. And I, I think that's powerful. I, I think that's kind of how we are sometimes. I don't think we notice the cracks. And Why? Why, how do we not notice, like, water all of a sudden filling up? I mean, it looks like pretty obvious. It's like, it's about to be the ocean for you. Uh, so I, I don't know. Why don't we notice those things? Because they don't happen overnight. It's not like you wake up one morning, whoa, there's the ocean in my front yard. It's not like that. Uh, I'm reminded of another story that I, I, I kind of love to tell because it really reminds me of church a lot. And I, I believe it was 
I believe it was a pastor in Granite Shoals that tells the story, and he had this piano up on his stage, and it had been there for so many years. Nobody played it. He really wanted to have a greater stage space. He wanted to be able to move the piano stage, and uh, it, it was kind of a big deal. Like, the people really wanted it up there, and they made kind of a big deal about it, but he wanted to be able to move it off. So what he said he did is every Sunday, he would come in and move the piano one inch. Now, it took him about two and a half years, but in two and a half years, it went from all the way to one side of the stage and then completely out, and nobody noticed. In two and a half years, what they, were really, they were ready to fight over this piano being on stage. In about two and a half years, after moving it little bit by little bit, nobody even noticed. Like, hey, one day it was like, where's the piano? Anybody notice it's missing? You know, oh, yeah, we moved that thing off, yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Well, why didn't they notice? Because it didn't happen overnight. It started out as something small. And, that, and that's what the Hebrew writer is saying here. That if we're not careful to stay attentive to the truth, it's not about going to church every Sunday. But listen, your relationship with God must be nurtured. It can't be, well, like I get up every morning and I read my Bible. How much are you applying it that day? How much do you go out of your way with great concern, with great burden, go, I must be like the Lord. I might be the only Jesus someone sees today. Lord, help me be you today. I mean, how much are we really pressing in towards that? I mean, we can listen to our worship. We can listen to all these things and never notice the current or the drift that's pulling us away, pulling on us. Why aren't we listening? Is it because we can't shut up enough? I wonder about that. That's my problem too, you know. That's yours, that's mine, all right? Preachers have big mouths. We tend to talk a whole lot more than we listen. But it's, it's true, right? Um, James 1.18 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. All right, I'm the opposite of this scripture at times. I'm very fast to speak. Uh, I'm about m- middle of the road when it comes to anger. I can get there real quick. Uh, but I, I, I tend to speak a whole lot more than I listen, and God has constantly been something uh, that he works on with me. Maybe this scripture kind of sounds different because we kind of have a, a redneck way of saying it. We usually say, like, to our kids, listen, son, or, or you've got two ears and one mouth, all right? All right, you've got two ears and one mouth. Talk less, listen more. That's what we usually tell, right? One of the books I remember reading a long time ago says this, don't you realize that the mouth is the only muscle God has given a flesh and blood cage, right? None of your, all your other muscles are external, but the tongue, God said, I got to put something around that thing or it's going to get the best of you, all right? I mean, he's put teeth in front of it. He put lips in front of it. What else can I stick in front of your mouth to make you shut up? And by the way, notice that he stuck ears on the outside. They're not caged in at all. Right? Your mouth is caged in, ears not so much. Matter of fact, I think God's sense of humor is that some of us need to listen more because he's extended our ears a little bit. All right? We tend to make fun of people like that, but seriously, I think that God's made them great listeners. I'm not sure. But what should we be listening to? Because it's not about who we're listening to or what we're listening to. We've got to listen to something right and good. Well, Paul had this idea in, in Philippians 4, 8 through 9. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, 
worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. This is the same stuff we're talking about. It says, then the God of peace will be with you. It says, well, it's true. What is honorable and right? What is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent? What is worthy of praise? This is where we return back to Hebrews. Before I could even launch into the rest of chapter 2 there, we had to see that whole first little section there because that's actually in context there. He wants to make sure that before I step into really telling you what's worthy of praise, what's worthy of listening to, I need to know that I have your ears, that you hadn't somehow from beginning to right now drifted away from even me talking. This is what he wants to reveal. Hebrews 2, and so we move into 7, verse 15 right here. He says, Yet you made them only a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out, but we have not seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is, are you listening? Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. This is why, or That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people, he also said. I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of of dying. What is worth listening to? The gospel. That's what we just heard. The gospel. Just the straight truth of God. What is worth your ears times? What will change your heart? The gospel. What changes people's lives? The good news of Jesus Christ. That's what changes lives. The gospel. That's what's worthy of our ears and worthy of our eyes. It's as if the writer or the author of Hebrews wants to make sure you're listening by challenging you in that area. He wants to show you what's worth listening to. The importance of Jesus being fully man. He wants to show you uh, for only as a human being could he die. And only that by dying could he break the power of the devil. Why is it good news? Because it's liberating news. Why is it good news? Because it's the reason we can be here and be okay and things be all right. It's the reason we can come have community with one another. The reason that somebody goes, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my place be used for a church because God has bestowed blessing upon me. That's what it is. What are we listening to this morning? We're listening to the good news of Jesus Christ who changes individuals, who makes individuals uh, be, that, that start so faithless and become faithful. And this was God's plan from the beginning. It's clouded in mystery. It's like a veil before our eyes. And, and, and here's the thing is, I know when we look at Christ and we look at all that he'd gone through, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But I am so appreciative for what he's done, that he was, he's broken the chains that have bound us and loosed us upon this earth now to free others. 
That's going to always be like my drum beat. Like, what, I've been set free. Okay, what do I do? Tell others and see others set free. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Talk with one another. Meet people. Get friends and begin to share them the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's not all like everybody makes it out to be. Everybody always thinks, well, I'd, I need to have this kind of formal pitch like a salesman. Really? How about just live with them? How about just be someone's friend? Listen to their heartache, their troubles. Share when you have the opportunity. Be Jesus to them, right? I mean, it's going to come up, right? Because if you really live your life following and pursuing Christ, at some point, the question is going to be asked, like, you know, and you found yourself, I guarantee, in these questions where somebody's talking about a hardship they're going through, and you're like, man, I, I understand. Man, if it wasn't for, you know, I, I've said this a lot when I talk to couples, you know, that maybe they're going through something. I said, man, if it really wasn't for my wife and I's pers individual pursuits of Christ, we would probably fight a whole lot more. But she is committed to pursuing Christ individually. I am committed to pursuing Christ individually. This causes us to have this, like, common bond along the way. So how does that work with friends? In the same way. In the same way, I'm committed to meet Christ so that every time I talk to somebody, it's going to come up. It's part of my life. It's, who, it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. It's going to come up. You know, the, the thing is, when you, when you get to the last bit of uh, Hebrews here, and he says that, that, that he destroys, uh, destroys death, destroys the power of the devil, the King James uh, uh, uses the word uh, destroy in the place. In, in the New Living just doesn't do it credit. It really doesn't. It says break, actually. And the King James says destroy. And uh, uh, it's actually a Greek word that's found all over the Bible. And it means to deprive of force. To, to deprive of influence. To deprive of power. So that the good news of the gospel, the things that we're listening to, as we hear it, as it sets forth to liberate us, right? It's also destroying the things that have had influence in our life at the same time, right? So we are free, and yet the devil is destroyed. His influence over us becomes destroyed. His, his ability to speak into our life becomes broken. All his channels to us become very, very hard to get to. It becomes much like Job. I remember in the book of Job, in the very first chapter, we see the, the whining, basically, of the devil who says, when, he, when he's talking to, God is talking to the devil, and, and he's complaining, well, I can't touch Job because you have your hand of protection on him. But if you'll get your hand of protection off, then maybe I could do something. Can you imagine? Job did not have the good news of Jesus Christ like we do today. Can you imagine now the depraving uh, of what the devil has to go through today because of the liberation of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful news, man. Death has no hold on me. There's nothing you can use to scare me. What? Well, you did this. Uh-huh. Grace. Well, you're still struggling here. Grace. It's the good news, right? Well, I'm not fully perfected and... and not, it's the grace of God. This is the furious love of God, the silliness, the foolishness of God that would love us even though we're imperfect, even though we struggle, even though, you know what, we're in and out of, of who we need to be and who we desire to be. Grace holds us, takes us in. 
right? There's nothing that the devil can use to scare me. And listen, the, it's like the, you know, the, the sting of death is almost gone. What are you going to do? Kill me? I'll just go to heaven. That's where Paul was at. Are you going to kill me? Gain. I mean, you know how frustrating that has to be for the devil? Well, I'll let you live. Glory to God. Kill you. Glory to God. What else you got? I glory in all of it. It's all good, right? I mean, that's how Paul was. His whole life began to be that way. Why? Because he was a listener. How did he end up at one place to the next, going from here to there? Because he's listening to God all the time. He's a listener. I heard a pastor say this the other day. He said, he said there's no need to tell me Jesus is coming. I know we hear that a lot. You know, well, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And, and this pastor, I loved it. He said, you know, you don't have to tell me Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. He's already here. Amen. You know how bold that is? We need to get a glimpse of that. I know, what are we like, worried that like he's going to come back and, and, and what? You think his grace is going to act different? You think that all of a sudden it's going to nullify everything that's been done? No. No. God doesn't tell us he's going to come back to scare us like actually the church has done a really good job of. They kind of use that whole scripture passage as a big terrifying thing. You know, it's like, it's like a, a, and I think where we get that from maybe is because as we grow up, you know, it's like when your mom tells you your dad's going to come home soon. And man, all of us are like scared to death, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but my dad come home, it meant the belt's coming off and something bad's about to happen. So like my mom said, your dad's coming home. And she like hold her teeth together like that, your dad is coming home. <laughs> Just clenched jawed, right? That's not how it is. It's not how it is. The good news of Christ is that He has come already, right? He's already here, living inside me. When Jesus Christ, if, when, he is, when He descends down and in physical form, you think anything is going to be different. You're a believer. You believe in Jesus Christ. You love Jesus. You've received Him as Lord. His grace will now just be made in a more physical sense, but He lives in you. He is here working through you. He's already here. Jesus is alive. He makes this dead man live. I was dead in my sin. I was dead in my iniquity. I was dead in my trespasses. But through the resurrection of Christ, I have been made alive, and better yet, I am free from the chains of sin and death. That's what this passage is trying to tell us. What is worthy of listening to? Reflect back is what it's saying. Go back to what? Your first love. What should your first love be? When you met Christ. And I can tell you when I met my wife. I can tell you exactly the moment, man, that I looked at her and was immediately attracted I can tell you that I've, I've, been, I've been with my wife for over 20 years now. And I can still go back to that moment and remember what it was like to just be crazy in love, not knowing kids were in my future or ministry or anything else, but I knew I loved her. This is worth listening to. Going back, that's what Hebrews is trying to tell you. What's worth listening to? Jesus. Jesus is worth listening to. Jesus is greater than the angels, and he uses chapter 2 to say it again. He's greater than all heavenly things. There is nothing greater than Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater in your life. Your kids are not greater than Jesus Christ. My kids are not greater than Jesus Christ in my life. It's a priority change for us. 
When he becomes the greater thing, listen, you, uh, here's what you're going to get from hanging around God. When he becomes the greater, you know what? You're going to love your kids through Christ, and it's going to make you love them in a way that you couldn't love them as a parent. Because he's going to want more for them and better for them than you can dream or imagine. I mean, you might have goals and dreams for your kids, but I guarantee you it's not as good as God's. It's not. The Hebrew writer is telling us and taking us on this journey, listen, real quick, listen, do not drift off because what I'm about to say is highly important. We need to focus on Jesus. He's greater, greater than angels, yes, greater than death, yes, greater than sin, yes. He's greater. Apply it to us. We, we've got to have that application part. This is where James comes in and says, don't just hear it, listen to it, and apply it. So how do I apply this greater thing into my life? How do I apply this idea or this sense of that God is greater? Well, first of all, it's got to start by me leaning on him some more. I'm going to have to start hanging out with him. I'm going to have to start talking with him. I'm going to have to start spending some time and listening to him. This past week, I had the uh, privilege of literally spending like two classes talking about prayer to seventh graders. And it's a very hard message to tell seventh graders Sit still and listen to God. Because I think some of them really need medication to sit still and listen to God. All right? I mean, I, I don't know who made the decision to have rocking chairs in the classroom. But it's driving me crazy. The whole room is like rocking back and forth. It's like we're on a ship. I ain't kidding. And they have a hard time sitting still. Seventh graders just have a hard time sitting still, man. They want to get out and play. They want to get out and do stuff. I get that. And it, you know how hard it is to teach prayer? You mean to tell me, I mean, listen to it from their point of view. You mean to tell me that there's, I got to like be still for like 20 minutes? Oh, my. That's punishment, by the way. We call that timeout. <laughs> right? Go sit in the, you know, go sit down and be still for 20 minutes. <sighs> We've like trained them, by the way, like that. That's horrible. Right? And the truth of it is, I'm not sure we as adults, I think we agree. Like, I think today, if we got told to go sit still, we all act like, oh, I'd love to just have a time where I sat still. Uh-huh. I bet on your vacation, you don't really sit still. I think most of us are wore out from vacations. We come back, and we're tireder than we, than we left. Some of us go on those kind of vacations. I think we get wore out. You know, we just, we don't sit still. We don't listen. Or there's so much white noise in our life. We let so many people speak into us. We let so many people talk into our lives. So there's all this white noise. And which, out of all this noise, which one is God? Because here's what I've often found out. You ever notice how God sounds an awful lot like you at times? And you have a tendency to go, was that me? Or was that God? And especially if it's a blessing or good. Because immediately most of us will go, that can't be God. It's way too good. Like, that can't be. God sees right through that. That's sure. That sounds more like a blessing, God. Are you sure you're talking to me? Like, we, we rarely can receive from God. We're just as bad about receiving God as we are from anybody else. That's where we're at. This is, this is what we go through. This is how hard it is to make Jesus greater. A lot of things we battle on the inside on making Jesus greater. How do I make Jesus greater in my life? It's hard. It's extremely hard. And yet it's not physically tough. You're probably not going to sweat making Jesus greater. It's going to be a mental thing, <laughs> psychological thing. Having those moments to be like Samuel where you're in there and it's quiet and God says, Samuel, 
And I love Samuel. Samuel just thought, I think it's Eli calling me. And he walks over to Eli, you know, did you call me? And, and, and like every parent, no, go back to your room. Call him again. No. Go back to your room, you know. Third time is like, oh, God's calling him. And I think we're like that. I think we need some Eli's in our life, unfortunately, that can honestly tell us that, hey, that was the voice. You need to be listening. But I think we like to wash that stuff out. I do. I think we wash that stuff out and just don't take it serious because we, we really, deep down, we don't think that Jesus works today like he did back then. We think that there's some kind of different way he works with us. As if God wouldn't treat you like Philip of Acts and just transport you one day while you're at the gospel, while you're preaching the gospel. Or like that you couldn't be a, 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 a full of the Holy Ghost and lay hands on somebody like Ananias who pulled scales off of Paul's eyes and put him into ministry. That's the only story we have of that man. The only story. We hear he's in the Bible. He's praying. He hears and listens to God, right? Or maybe some of us are like Ananias where we do listen to God, but then we're, the, where we're different from Ananias is we're not obedient. So God just quits talking to the people who are not obedient anymore, right? If you're not going to do what I'm saying, I've got, I mean, one of the things that I, I will tell you that like one of my, my greatest moments in ministry where I saw what I felt was called the Shekinah glory, the like God came down kind of glory, happened in a small church where God began to speak to me as I was praising the Lord in a small little church. And I was praising God and I was speaking out and, 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 and listening to God and saying, Lord, you know, use me. And, and, and I, I wasn't even in ministry, even thinking about any of those things. And I heard God speak to me and he says, I want you to stand up and I want you to go uh, to the front. And they were like in the middle of like this worship, like really fast song. It's like really awkward if you went down there and got on your knees kind of moment, you know. And I thought, well, Lord, I don't want to be a distraction. No, wait, I want you to get up and I want you to go down there. I want you to get on your knees and you're going to pray and I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to do a work that shows you that I speak to you and that this is my voice. And all I could think was, that's very distracting and I don't want to be in the front and I don't want to go down there and it'd be weird. And uh, the Lord said, see this guy in front of you, and it was like two rows up, there was like a guy, and I'm like, yeah, and he goes, he'll, he'll do it, and I'll just go to him, and it broke my heart, it broke my heart that God would say, if I can't use you, I'm going to use somebody, I'm going to use somebody, and it's not because God doesn't want to use me, it's because I didn't want to be used. I was rejecting the Lord. I was telling God no because it was uncomfortable, embarrassing, all these things that just make me feel bad, right? Because I didn't, well, that's not, it's not on my terms, God. I don't want to listen to you if it's not going to be on my terms. That's what I was saying. And I'm going to tell you, if it wouldn't have been for that little turnaround, that little reverse psychology that God's real good at, you know? It's like the takeaway where he like removes it from me. Well, then I just won't talk to you at all. And like then it's like balm, you know, crying immensely, ugly face cry. Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I go up there. I, I kneel down. I can't tell you like when the music stopped, but like it, before I knew it, everybody on the whole place was on their face. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, too, never happened again. It's never happened again. There's never going to be that moment again. That was the moment for me. That was my Samuel moment. Praise God I was listening. Praise God I was listening. I think God has Samuel moments for all of us. 
And I think God will give you other chances, too. You feel like you missed one. I think I missed it. Well, the glorious thing about God is that, like we sung this morning, his love is furious, man. He will pursue you like nobody else. He will pursue you. Are, are not these things, aren't these worthy to discuss? Aren't these things worthy of listening to? God speaking into our lives, God telling us about how great Jesus is, aren't these things worthy? So why do we struggle? Why do we still struggle to hear God, to listen, really listen to God? I, I, I think we kind of get the whole thing, what Hebrews is saying. I think it's really simple. Okay, Jesus is greater. I got it. Okay, Jesus is higher than angels. Okay, Jesus is speaking and we need to listen. Great. Then how come we still struggle there? And I know for the Hebrews, I, I, I know it's a big deal to them, man. They saw him, right? He's local, uh, local guy. He's the local guy there. He, they aren't like, you're Joseph's boy. They don't really pay any attention to him. Some of you might feel like that. You might feel like you're just, well, I'm the local here. Everybody kind of knows my whole past. And it's just so God makes all things new. You know, the other thing I started to begin to think about, too, and, and I'm going to, I want, I want to read from Isaiah real quick, but the other thing I noticed, too, is that I think that we have a hard time receiving because we think we're just so ordinary. How could anything extraordinary come from something so ordinary? But this is why the Hebrew writer is taking us to Jesus. Because if anybody can relate to you who loves ordinary people, it's Jesus. And it's not like Jesus is this extraordinary individual. I know we look at him like that. But really, if history tells us that he wasn't. That he is the most common-looking guy out there. If there was a guy that could get lost in the crowd, it was Jesus. Listen to, listen to Isaiah 53's account of the ministry of Christ. It's, it's, it's not very long, so I'm going to read the whole thing. But I want you to listen to the description as they describe Jesus Christ. It says, My servant. Grew up in the Lord's present like a tender green shoot, like a in dry, in dry ground. Listen, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yes, he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he didn't open his mouth. He was un unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear their sins I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death he was counted among the rest. he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels ordinary despised rejected 
just another face in the crowd, also known as criminal, <laughs> thrown in the rich man's grave because he ain't got any money, poor as all get out, seemingly insignificant, full of anguish, sorrow, loneliness. Dude, he gets it. He gets it. But he was a listener. All that I heard the Father say, I said. Jesus' ministry is one of, of repeating. I, I love it because in all the seminary stuff that you learn, and all the Bible classes I've ever learned, and all the things you go through, it really is that simple. What he said, what he prayed for his apostles is the same thing Jesus did as his own ministry. He did not pray that they would one day learn all the old books. Lord, may they one day learn all the old Torah so they can quote scripture really good and have good sermons. That's not what he said. He didn't say, Lord, I pray that uh, they would be outstanding uh, theologians and they would be able to convince anyone with their master wisdom of the, of the scriptures that you should be saved. He said, let them be in me as I am in you, so that all that I heard you say, I spoke. All that I saw you do, I did. Let them be in me as I was in you. Let them be like me. Let them do things like me. Let, listen, that's the key. I'm showing you like a key to the door of heaven right there. All that, the, all that I heard the Father say, Jesus said, I, I said. That's what, he, that's what he did. That was his ministry. His ministry was the ministry of repeating It's not like some big, like, we throw back the veil and it's like all of a sudden, what? I'm not that impressed. Like, really? That's all Jesus did? He just did what his father said? Yes. Yes, simple obedience. Serving the father. What the father wanted, I did. Whether it meant 5,000 people came and heard me or only these 12. Even if it means half of these will kill me, which he knew was coming too. Even if it means, you sure you want me to get this Judas guy? Because everybody can see along with me that he's stealing from the offering tray. Yeah. Yeah. What about this guy, Matthew? You know he's a traitor, right, with this whole, like, Levi tax thing, right? He's a tax collector, traitor of his own people. You really? Yes. Go get this guy. Go get this Do Do these things. Do these things. Yes. That's Jesus. Jesus is the obedient servant. Greater than all. How is he greater? Just by simply listening and being obedient to what the Father had said, doing what the Father had done. That's the key. That's the key. Why is Jesus greater? Because his, his ability to be obedient is impeccable. To death. To death. Now, when we measure our obedience to Jesus, we already feel the gigantic chasm. Right? Because, like, who can, who can be a better servant than Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you where we fit in on that. Grace. Lord, I failed you today. And Jesus goes, okay, no more. Like, that's it. Like, we want, I think we want more punishment, really. So we punish ourselves. Right? We, like, talk, like, I totally can't. I'll try tomorrow, God. 
because tomorrow's a new day. We feel like, ah, I'll take a shower, it'll be good, I can start over. So I got like the rest of the day to sin? Is that how that works? <laughs> Let's, if we're just being honest and real, human, okay? Um, it's, it's hard. Jesus is greater. And, and where do we measure up? When we measure ourselves against Jesus, we do feel so small because we don't measure ourselves against the grace. And where sin abounds, grace abounds what? More. Love abounds more. Right? And, and this is what makes you attractive out there. It is not your ability to be Jesus. Because let's just be honest, we would fail. If you put Jesus, as the, if he's the standard and we stand next to him, we fail. We are not perfect. We don't always say what God says, do we? Sometimes we have to repent mightily for the things we say, right? I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to me too, all right? Sometimes our tongues get the best of us. Sometimes we find ourselves way out there in the Antarctic like, man, I'm on this like six by six ice. I don't know. I woke up this morning. It was just like this. I mean, we're way out there sometimes. But grace picks you up and says, try again. All is forgiven. Let's go forward. What? We don't, we don't, we have a hard time with that one. We just have, you have to live that one for a while. You've got to live it for a while and start to, start to really, really move in it. Because here's what I will tell you this, is that once you start living in it and moving in it, this is what's going to make you attract to everyone else. Because they're going to look and you go, well, you're not perfect, but you sure are happy. Why? And your moment, man, because every time I fail, I look at Jesus well, man, shouldn't that make you feel awful? <laughs> it's the standard. You should feel awful when you look to Jesus, right? No. Jesus forgives me. He's like the, he's the father, right? The extravagant father who sees the prodigal running towards him and runs to him. All is forgotten. Let's start new. Stand to your feet.